Welcome in everybody to another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumley, and on this show, we talk about the attention economy, the creator economy, and B2B marketing and how it all ties into the world of logistics. And on this show, we kind of got a packed show for you today. So uh, the first topic we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Google My Business, and then we're going to talk to Wayne Craig. He is currently biking across the country, but he also has some social media takes for everybody, especially those who are working in the who are currently a, a driver or thinking about working with drivers in the influencer space. We really dived into that topic from the business side of why carriers should be working with trucking influencers last week. But this week, we're going to get it from the driver point of view and how they can sort of protect themselves and the content that they create. And then later in the show, we're going to have Meshach Weber from LoadSure. He is going to be breaking down his extensive career in freight tech marketing and where businesses are currently getting it right and where they are could use a little bit of improvement, let's just be honest. So let's go ahead and dive into the first topic, and that is Google My Business. Now, if you're not really aware of what Google My Business is, it's essentially one of the more underrated marketing tools that are out there. And it, Google My Business is essentially the right-hand side. When you go to Google and you do a Google search, and on the right-hand side is you'll notice a big listing. Now you're currently looking at on the screen of what my business looks like when it's listed on a Google My Business page. That essentially is the best real estate that you can see on on Google without having to pay for it or without having to obsess over social media, you know, or not social media, but obsessing over SEO metrics. And so with that listing in particular, it's completely free. All you have to do is claim that account from Google in order to take advantage of showing your website, your phone number, uh, company photos, your logo, all the pertinent information that your business would like to share with the world is found on Google My Business and highly, highly visible on the search page. But the huge upgrade that's coming is the ability to track the phone number or the calls that when people see your listing and they actually click on the phone number to call your business. Now, not all accounts have access to this just yet. It's still in beta, but it's rolling out to all of the different users who currently have a Google My Business page. But it's really, really well worth it. It's one of the more, like I said, one of the more underrated marketing tools that are out there because not only does it kind of act like a business listing, but it also acts as a social media profile that now links with with your phone numbers. And so on this graphic, you're actually seeing a list of all of the different call histories that you'll be able to access, if not now in the beta version, but in the future. And you'll be able to see a history of all of those phone calls that are coming in directly through the, the people that are going to Google and doing a branded search, which means they enter in your company name into the Google search bar. And I realistically, you should be showing up there if you've claimed your Google My Business account. Now, if you haven't claimed your account, maybe it's for a reason that, uh, like for myself, I didn't have a Google My Business account until earlier this year because I always assumed that you needed to have an address verification tied to it. And I didn't want I work from home. I don't want people knowing my home address just because they Googled the business name. And so I never set that up. But other businesses, I have set that up for them. And what usually happens if you have a business where you service the customers, where the customers come to you, then what Google will do is once you claim your listing, they will send you out a verification postcard. And then it, you know, it has like a security code on it. And then once you get that postcard in the mail, then you go back into your account and you verify it. And then 
then that's when you can start adding in photos, your website, phone number, all of these different cool tools. And then you're able to get those reviews. You, you can solicit reviews from other people by sending them a link directly to your Google business page. And it's all free. And like I said, you can make posts to it. It's sort of what Google Plus back in the day was supposed to be, and it was supposed to evolve into. But now they've taken a lot of those features from your old Google Plus pages and added them directly into your Google My Business page. And like I said, that is prime real estate right on the front page of Google. If somebody is doing a search for your business, ideally you want to show up there on that right-hand side. So the ability to have those phone number clicks be able to, to, to track them within that search page is huge. You're going to be able to see so much different information of, of who is it, who is clicking on that phone number, if they've made their phone, if they've tied their name to that phone number, and then how many times that person has called you or multiple people from that, from maybe that business that have tried to get in touch with you. And that is going to be huge as far as marketing analytics are concerned, because it's free. There's a lot of companies out there that offer sort of a similar service in that respect, where you can track phone number clicks. You can't track them from Google though. You can only track them in your marketing material and on your website. So there are additional tracking mechanisms that you can add into your website, even after, you know, sort of privacy concerns have, have arisen, which, you know, rightfully so. But on the flip side, you're still going to be able to see this data. It's just going to be part of your first party data instead of going through a third party, like a cookie list system uh, that the world, of marketing kind of already faces right now. And so it's really, it's going to be a good measure for you to take. If you haven't gone ahead and claimed your account, you need to do so ASAP. I put a link in the show notes so you'll be able to check out and, and make that and claim that listing on Google, both for your business and for your address. And if you have a, a business where you don't service customers within your home, like I do, I work from home. So I don't want people knowing my address directly on you know the, the the Google search engines and even on the Google my business page but you can still claim it and just tell Google hey I don't service customers here I service them where they're located and they will still give you that listing so you can take advantage of all of those little perks so for carriers for 3PLs and really any business that's out there you really need to start before you do anything before you make a website any kind of other social media profile getting a Google my business page should be at the top of your priority list because you can continuously update that page Google wants you to update that page and even in the future you can run advertising advertisements behind that and in order to you know show up a little bit more but it, that's primo real estate that you don't have to pay for at all and you can take advantage of that right hand side search engine results where you are going to have your photos your logo your website phone number and be able to additionally track some of that information whenever somebody is searching for your business. So it's a really, really underrated marketing tool. So I highly advise everybody to go out there and at least claim your Google My Business account. And if you haven't claimed it, or if you already have one, then go into your account and see if you have access to that beta yet. Because if you don't have access now, you're going to get access sooner or later. And that should just be added into your regular reporting in order to make sure that 
A, that, that your phone number is being clicked. Maybe there's some, some things that you could optimize on that Google My Business page. And then if they're being clicked, who's answering the phone and who is addressing those phone calls and who is picking up the phone whenever that user is coming to your site? Uh, so big, big update. I think that it's going to, to really go a long way for a lot of businesses. So that is the tip of the day is to make sure you have that Google My Business page set up and optimized and then go on and check and see if you have that beta access because it's really going to be beneficial. Going into our next topic, let's talk about where the attention dollars are going next. We've talked a lot on this show about the attention economy and how our attention spans have been changing over the recent years. It's that our attention span is actually getting a lot shorter because of Twitter, because of TikTok, um, even YouTube shorts to an extent, and even Netflix, you, you could say that it's taking our attention. It's not dropping our attention span, but it is taking our attention away from other traditional formats such as you know magazines, TV, um, even radio. Video to an extent. Uh, but during last week's New Fronts presentation, TikTok kind of dropped a reality bomb with their head of US advertising saying people check Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but they watch TikTok like Netflix and Hulu. And she's right. Because I, if, if you've ever spent any time on the TikTok platform, you know how addicting their algorithm can be. But it can be addicting in a positive way, at least in my experience, where the news that I'm seeing and the videos and the updates that I'm seeing make me feel good versus other platforms, say Twitter, say Instagram, where I check those, but I don't really engage with it. I don't really watch it like I do a TikTok video. And for, I would say on the flip side of that, it's really curious that in this statement that when she said people check Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but they watch TikTok like Netflix and Hulu, she was missing a big competitor in that respect. And that's YouTube. And with the growing, I guess, the competitive nature of YouTube wanting to keep their dominance and they see those attention eyeballs going over to TikTok, then it's a situation where you, you want to be paying attention to the other competitors and the other, the other players in this space as well. Because with YouTube, they're putting a high priority on YouTube shorts. In case you aren't aware, shorts is essentially a copycat of TikTok where videos are a minute long. You can see them in your feed and they're getting a more a higher priority on the, on the actual YouTube app. So if you notice on this graphic, they're going to, they're going to replace the explore button with the shorts button. So you'll be able to see home shorts You'll be able to add a video, then subscriptions, and then check out your library. So if you're an avid user of the YouTube app like I am, that's a big change and that's a big focus. If you're going to be put in the menu navigation of the YouTube app where you know hundreds of billions of hours are, are uploaded every single week and, and, and where a lot of attention is spent on average, I think once a user logs into YouTube, they spend an average of 11 minutes on that platform, which is significantly longer than any other platform that's out there. So with YouTube putting more emphasis on shorts, it just sort of shows you how you can put a different emphasis on the long form format, which is what a lot of YouTube videos are right now. Netflix, you can consider long form format, but then also the short form format, which is TikTok and YouTube shorts. Shorts is also 
rumored to be getting or not rumored, but it's it's uh, it was announced yesterday that YouTube is going to be giving out a hundred million dollar creator fund designed to steal away the creator talent from TikTok. A hundred million dollars is no joke. And these are these creator funds are designed to take the talent away from it's sort of like, a, I guess a, a good analogy could be like the New York Yankees. Whenever they see a talented player on another team, they're just going to go pay a bunch of money and just take those talented players and bring them to their squad. This is the same thing. It's just only happening in social media where YouTube wants to take those talented creators and they want to steal them away from other platforms. TikTok has their own creator fund. Uh, I believe a couple other social media platforms have their own creator fund. But with YouTube Shorts and TikTok sort of duking it out, I think it's really, really interesting that it, it, what that statement says. People check Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but they watch TikTok, Netflix, and Hulu. And I would add in their YouTube as well. So personally, for me, I post long form and short form videos to YouTube. But the only time that I've seen a greater uptick in subscribers is coming from YouTube shorts. And that's because when you post to YouTube uh, for long form, it's you have to remind people, hey, click that thumbs up, click the notification bell, subscribe to the channel. You have to remind them of all of that. And YouTube shorts, it's pretty prominent that you are not subscribed to that user yet if you're watching their shorts. And so so if you're if I'm creating a short that's less than a minute long, just a quick video, and I'm pushing it out there to the world, then YouTube is going to take that video and not only send it to my subscribers, but they're also going to send it out to people who haven't subscribed yet. And if they haven't subscribed yet, then that subscribe button is front and center. And I, I am willing to bet that that is where the majority of my new subscribers have come from on YouTube. So if you haven't played around with that platform yet, I would I would try taking some of your longer form videos that you're creating. Maybe it's a sales call. Maybe it's a webinar that you've done recently. Find those good little one minute clips that you start off with a certain thought and then you end it with another thought. It doesn't have to be a full minute, but as long as it's a minute or less, and I think YouTube, they, they like to keep it around the shorts around 58 seconds. So as long as you're at that 58 second mark and not any time longer than that, then you're going to show up in that primo location. It's a chance for you to get more subscribers to your channel. So zooming out to the big picture, according to recent estimates from eMarketer, U.S. social network video ad spending in 2020 will grow by 31% year over year to more than $19 billion. So let's not lose sight that all of these platforms are also adding an e-commerce functionality. And so in most cases, following the money is really a solid strategy for any business. But in this case, it's following where the attention is going because that's where the money is going as well. So speaking of attention, speaking of social media and TikTok, now is a good time to segue into our first guest, Wayne Craig. He is formerly known as Trucker Wayne, but he stepped away from the industry due to health reasons is now he's biking across the country to raise awareness for the health of our nation's drivers called Highway to Health while he's documenting it all over social media. So if you follow him on any of the accounts, you'll be able to see his updates for this Highway to Health campaign. And we're going to get more into that in a little bit. But the reason I wanted to bring Wayne on today is so we can really dive into the topic of working with trucking influencers. We talked about that in depth on last week's episode from the business side of things, but now we're going to get it from the driver side of things. So let's go ahead and welcome in Wayne to the show. So how, hey hey, you. how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I stopped about an hour ago and uh, yeah, I did another 30 miles, almost 400 miles down. 
Oh my gosh. And so you almost 400 miles down. I think you, you said yesterday on what the truck, which is a great interview. Everybody should go watch that as a little bit more, you know, in, in depth detail of your, of your campaign. But I think you also lost like close to 25 pounds already too. Yeah. 23 pounds in the last two and a half months. So that's been good. Uh, I went from Traverse city up to the bridge. I actually had a medical assistant with me and we were checking my blood pressure. It has went, it has come down. I need it more It's about 150 now. So uh, I'm excited about the loss and weight. Today I did 30 miles and there was hardly any hills and I did it like it was pretty easy. So things are really looking good. Amazing. That, that That's incredible to see because I know that it, it comes, it's a campaign that comes from a good place, which speaking of coming from a good place, we, we brought you on to talk about the, you know, sort of the, the social media vibe of how companies today it can relate and work with the drivers of today because truck drivers have one of the best social media games really in the entire industry. They have hundreds of thousands of followers on some of these accounts. And, and from, I guess mainly the, the the business and carrier side of things of what we covered last week. Now we want to get from the driver side of things because you've had direct experience and you almost have a cautionary tale. Can you give us a little bit of background of how you sort of got started with social media and how it's evolved into the, the business opportunities that, that you've been getting? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I started over eight years ago when I was in the truck driving school at C1. Uh, Driver Solutions reached out to me. I just got into school. They run the C1 schools as well. Asked me to start documenting my journey as a uh, as a beginner in school and follow me. And that's really, it started from there. Uh, pretty excited to do it. They saw my photography. I was able to uh, push my photography as well. And they were willing to let me do this. I worked with Driver Solutions for six years. It was a really good, it, it worked really well. Um, it turned into, and I think people forget if you're watching this, there's a difference between a digital marketer and a content creator. I consider myself a content creator, and, and I had a good a relationship with the digital marketer. If you can have a good relationship with the digital marketer and the digital marketer can, can really you know feed off of the content creator, it works out really good, and it worked out good for me for six years. Then it turned into, um, we just kind of, I personally ran out of topics, and we went our separate ways, and I worked with a couple trucking companies and and not very successfully. So that's kind of why you and I were talking about bringing me on and maybe I could talk a little bit and I can answer any questions that you have. Absolutely. Before we jump into that aspect of it, you mentioned that the the digital marketer relationship was a good one. Give us a little bit of insight of why you think that was a good relationship. Was it editorial freedom or did they sort of feed you ideas or they were just open to any ideas that you have? Yeah, everyone knows I worked with Derek McLean, one of the better digital marketers in in, in Indianapolis area. And when it first started out, he was absolutely 100% feeding me ideas. They turned into, hey, Wayne, can you talk about this? But yet yet I had the freedom to talk about my day and uh, talk about what it was like in my first week and my second week. It's all still out there. Uh, Luckily for me, Driver Solutions, I had a great relationship. It's all still there even eight years later. But then it turned into where the more I did, um, for example, five years ago, he, he said, hey, uh, video is the way to go. You got to get some videos in there. And he helped me along as I got progressed better and better. Then I became a much more of a of a social media um, creator and a content creator. And then it really turned into um, just bouncing stuff off of each other. He was a marketer. I was the content creator. This is where this is where I think a lot of things fail, where it was two people working together to produce a quality product. And uh, 
really, it really worked well because everybody knew who Trucker Wayne was and still, still do to some extent. But uh, that, that relationship of, I don't want to look at just those deep numbers that the digital marketers look at. Now, I don't want to worry about exactly what you were talking about earlier. You guys dive deep into these numbers and, and uh, the Google analytics and everything. I was just able to express and be a creator, and he was able to push them numbers. It worked really well. That's amazing. I, and so he was, it sounds like he was way ahead of the game, which is, which is really, really great to hear that that was started so long ago, but there, you mentioned a couple instances, especially last year in 2020, where you had offers from two separate companies to make some content for them, but it ultimately fell through without naming the companies. Can you tell us a little bit why those deals fell through? Absolutely. And anybody that knows me too, I don't throw anyone under the bus. That's not what I do. I think that's why I've been able to, until I get too opinionated, I do think that's been a thing where I've been able to flourish in this. But 2020 was pretty pretty hard because trucking companies seem to have, their, their profit margins are so thin. And I started out with just a handshake deal and let's maybe get this done. And uh, one, word, one thing for someone who's, you, you have to know your worth as a content creator. I don't want, and I've actually done some videos on this, I don't want to collab. I just don't want the word collab to me just means, okay, you're going to give me a GPS and I'm going to talk for two months on it. And and I need to know money to me. I want money and get paid for my content. When people say collab, you need to know your worth. So basically it's first, the first company is just a kind of a handshake deal. Um, you know, this is what I was going to do. Uh, it, it was going to be perfect. It was going to be me like halftime in the truck and uh, halftime, just really just social media, being a trucker and a true content creator, but I could still call myself a trucker. And then like it usually does in the trucking industry, uh, it turned into that it was going to be incentive-based, you know, uh, incentive-based. And if I wanted to be a salesman, I would be in sales. <laughs> and right. <laughs> it, it, was really frust- it was really frustrating because that wasn't what the deal was. It was been like the perfect job for a truck driver who does good content creation still be in the truck, but yet talk about the company and be a content creator. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, it's going to be based on how many people watch your stuff, how many people you bring in. And that just fell apart pretty quickly. The second one, I just started to learn if if you're a driver out there, they're killing it on TikTok and YouTube. I'm not quite sure what, what the trucking companies don't understand about. There are individual truckers. There are some women truckers on TikTok that are getting millions and millions of likes. And uh, I'm not quite sure why they can't grab a hold of some of these women and and say, hey, how would you like to work for us? It's always the collab thing. Well, the second one, it said, okay, I'm I'm going. To, let's go month to month. Another now there was no paperwork signed, but I, I trusted them. Let's let's go month mm-hmm. to month. Let's just you know easy out, easy out for for everyone sure. because profits are thin. They don't believe in content creation. They got a digital marketer already that they're paying, and and but I'm the creator and. Uh, that turned in pretty poor too, because after a month and a half, uh, you know, I can basically, and I don't, like I said, we're not naming names here, but they didn't even follow through paying me for the month. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is where as a driver, you need to be aware of things. If, if, if there's, I personally believe if you're a good content creator, like many people, many truckers are, I think it's eventually going to be where the, the trucking companies realize let's take this person, let them create content, let's pay them for it and really pay them for it. 
and uh, see what happens. I think it's untapped, and I think it could be huge. And, and and on the flip side, I, I was making the argument last week that if you have already been creating content, like the, the the trucker that we mentioned last week's show, he made a recruitment style video that was incredible. And if I'm that carrier, I'm going to pay for that video that's already done, that I know it's already performed well. Are there any companies out there that you know of that are saying, hey, I really liked this video that you did. Do you mind if we share it? Do you mind if we pay you for it? Are, are they doing anything like that? Not, not that I know of, because what it comes down to is um, they'll they'll reach out and uh, oh, during 2020 during the pandemic, I had 20 or 30 companies reach out to me and mm-hmm. really like my content, what I was doing. Now I wasn't being opinionated, which some people know I can be. I wasn't. I was directing it towards the pandemic, and, it, and they were like, "We would love to share it. We would love to do this." And I'd say, "Well, are you willing to pay up?" It really came down to pay life. It really, it really came down to, are you going to pay me to share it or, or grab a hold of this and then, and then use it? And, and it basically, no, it came down to no, now, now that's only my experiences. So I'm sure there's people out there. I know a guy from Canada that was, um, his company was really supportive of him, but I do think, I do think you have to worry about, and I'm sure and I've had meetings and, and they worry about the content if they let someone like me just fly and they see I've done something before and okay, that doesn't quite make the message that we want, but yet they're getting hundreds of views for that company that they would never have. And this goes back to um, digital marketers. You've really hit the jackpot. If you have a digital marketer that can create good content, you hit the jackpot. Because I believe, they're, and I said this earlier, they're, they're two separate things. So if you have a marketer that can create content, but when you're in truck driving, how many digital marketers can hop into the truck? I think we need to put right. the two together and work on that. And, and that's been a problem in sort of the influencer, especially when, you know, beauty influencers and, and fitness influencers over on Instagram, that is a huge issue for them because they're they're You can't pay your bills with perks. You, the, content takes a long time to brainstorm, to shoot, to edit, and then publish at the at a good time that you think that your followers are going to be online. It's a lot more work than what you see out of the, the one minute result video that, that comes your way. And so that, I, I feel like there's a good balance that a lot of these companies can be making by saying, hey, we're going to pay you for this one video that we know is already done well. And then that way they remove the risk from their side, but then the driver's are are also still getting paid for the content that they're creating. But if you're going to go into it from a business perspective, I, I, I strongly believe that you should be able to give your drivers, I mean, have a couple parameters as far as, you know, maybe anti-hate speech or, or something along those lines. But then you can go into a situation where you're giving your driver or you're giving your influencers the creative freedom to make that content that they've already been pretty successful at. Otherwise, why would you be reaching out to them? Are there any warning signs for, for other truckers that, that, that they should look out for when being approached by companies in order to work with them? Uh, absolutely. Um, the first thing is, is, is just be honest with them. Tell them what you want. Uh, and another thing is, um, are they giving you a product, like one thing, like one GPS, and then they're going to get two months worth of work? Or this is another thing. It might be pretty cool if they give you access to an app, if you're an owner op, and it costs maybe $100 a month to use it and to see the loads and everything. And, and you're getting $100 every month off to use their app for free and talk about it. There's so many different things that that's payment. 
you know, that that's true. Like that's they're they're showing an interest in you and, and they're and they, they're investing in you in just giving you like a product. And you said this earlier, the beauty, uh, the beauty influencers. I've been in this long enough and on uh, Instagram and you know it as well as I do. How many times you hear someone just break down and say, I'm taking a break. And it's because mm-hmm. they've collabed and made nothing. Mm-hmm. So just just be aware of what they are offering you. And know, and I've said this earlier, but know your worth. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're just starting out, it might be good. But then always know that you need to reach a little higher each time. And if they're not willing to invest, I recently, and, and I they called me up and they were getting this new app, really cool for the trucking industry. And he wanted to pick my brain. And I was mm. very honest with him and said, well, if you're going to pick my brain, why don't you pay me? Well, let's True. just talk. Yeah, let's just talk. <laughs> so for 30 minutes, I'm in Boise. And, uh, you know, we talked. I told him, I said, I don't believe this is going to lead somewhere. And, and I'm not I'm not uh, really feeling good about this. So I'm going to end it. And I said, if mm. you want to talk more, call me and you can pay me. And he never called me and he never paid me. So. Yeah, that, that's definitely a red flag when when somebody just wants to have a pick your brain meeting because then it's very one sided and they get all the market research and then you're kind of left with nothing when you've probably spent years that you said you've been eight years on social media. So you spent eight years building your audience. And for a lot of companies out there, they need to if you're going to approach influencers, you should trust that whoever you're approaching has a good audience and has a good relationship with their audience. And so making sure, you know, they, they they haven't paid for followers. It's not a lot of bots on their account. And then once you've gone through those red flags, then it's diving into letting them have that creative freedom in order to speak to their audience in a way that is the the most beneficial to that crowd. And so with getting drivers to notice your company, that is a huge hurdle, especially getting them to apply and then become part of your team. But another big one is the onboarding process where a lot of companies can fall short. It's where a lot of the retention issues of the, the quote unquote driver shortage comes into play, which from what I understand is more of a retention issue rather than a driver shortage issue. So how can companies keep that positive momentum going from the application standpoint and getting the driver through the door to keeping the drivers happy? And, and that's a great question because uh, I've talked a lot. I believe there is a shortage to some extent and people will argue with that, but it's about retention and nobody wants to talk about retention of drivers. And I have very quickly, I have a unique in hospitality. I turned around three large companies, including one that was the number one place to get married in the United States. And I turned the turnover from 100% down to under 10%. So I'm not just talking from a driver's perspective, but once you have the driver in the door, I called it individual management. And I had 75 employees at one time. And uh, and once you learn that, I don't think, except for one person, uh, uh, Jack Gyllenhaal, I believe it was, as a driver manager, would call me up and ask me how I was doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very rare that you get that type of interaction. I believe that the, if the trucking industry really wanted to retain the drivers, they would individually manage their drivers and just not mass manage and then wonder why they walk out the door. I don't know how many times a trucking company has that person, the vice president, the president, maybe just below that can really, if a driver gets really upset you know, and they, and they come in and I'm going to quit. And then they have somebody there to try to talk the driver out of it. But if you individually manage your drivers, no matter how big you are, it's, it's huge. It's been proven over. I don't need to tell anybody. Uh, Freightways has had experts on to talk about how much you can save. 
But if you have someone reaching out to those drivers and saying, hey, how's your day going today? You might be two weeks ahead of the game and that driver may be going, I'm just upset. I, I hate this job or I hate this or my family life is this. And you get to know the person. You have to be more proactive than what this trucking industry is right now. And a lot of times you might not like the answer, but you're not going to like the answer when they come in and say they quit because almost any driver would have a job already lined up or or the company can see the driver is looking because law states that if I'm going to look for another job, even if I'm employed, my my employer, my current employer can see that I'm actively looking. You need to get to these drivers before they get to that point. That means investing in some people that actually not just a driver manager. <laughs> these young kids, they're great. And, and, and what happens for the driver managers is if, if they show any type of you know, they're, they're really good at what they do. They move up the ladder very quickly and out the door. Then they bring in a new driver manager. You need to get someone in there or a group that reaches out to these drivers on a continuous basis, get to know them. We all have our different wants and different needs. It's such a simple thing to do. Just call your drivers and ask how they're doing. And so it, it's, it's sort of alarming that that doesn't happen on a regular basis. So uh, that that that's um that that's a big hurdle. I think a lot of companies should uh, overcome fairly soon, and it's very easy. The good news is that it's very easy to fix. So from uh, you know sort of a long story made short, just treat your drivers with respect and check in on them from time to time. And and I think that as of you know sort of COVID has taught us with everybody working remotely, you need to make that extra effort to reach out to people individually because you're not seeing them on a daily basis. And it's similar to how, you know, sorry, your people managing with your drivers as well. You got to be able to check in on them and see how they're doing. And so uh, knowing all of that and knowing, you know, how sort of drivers can be treated better from, from both an onboarding perspective and a retention perspective, and then also respecting their time and energy that they put into their content. Let's go back to the Highway to Health campaign. And so for viewers who didn't watch What the Truck yesterday, make sure you go back and watch that because it's a really great interview talking about all of the cool things that you're doing out there on, on the road. But for folks who, who haven't seen what's going on, give us a, a quick rundown of, of what this campaign is all about. Yeah, so uh, after the pandemic, and, and, and we're still in it, but uh, I had worked seven months and two weeks straight. I was kind of bragging about it on the uh, on my pages. And I just spent almost the entire 2020 inside the truck. And anybody who's been out there knows that uh, the, the trucking, the truck stops have really hurt to try to get employees. A lot of things change, restaurants close. I always ate really healthy at the buffets. You know, you can't find a buffet anymore. September of 2019, my blood pressure was 120 over 61. When I was in Boise, uh, two and a half months ago, I was at the VA getting a very large lump on my neck, which I had to take care of. They're just making sure it wasn't cancer. But my blood pressure was 202 over 110. And my cholesterol was 300. These are really, really bad numbers. And if I was, they wouldn't have given me a DOT card anyways. And it was stayed high. So I knew I was going to have to do something. And, and you know what? My social media has kept me honest. I don't want to be the person having a stroke and keeping it secret. So I decided um, after some thought, like, how can I get back healthy again? And that's where I decided a cross country tour, bicycle tour would do just that. And I started in South Haven, Michigan, and uh, I went up to, I went over the bridge on Sunday. I did spend three days uh, relaxing, doing some interviews, but really they were time off. My legs were killing me. I got back at it today. I'm near 400 miles done out of 2,400. And I've really been doing lives every Wednesday on my trucker page, talking about trucker health with St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund and Julie. And uh, we've been talking about how 
can we all stay healthy in the truck? Because I failed at it miserably. And we've been talking now, we've done two on Trucker Wayne, but we're really trying to keep truckers healthy and keep them in truck and don't be like me. I, I love it. Such a great initiative. And even though it started off a little bit scary for you health-wise, now you, you're back on track and you're spreading awareness to, to get healthy again. So where can, where can Wayne, where can everybody find and follow your work on, on this journey? Yeah, I have too many uh, social media pages to mention, but basically <laughs> LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, Trucker, or yeah, the Trucker Wayne, Wayne Craig on Facebook and Wayne Craig Photography. Now, Blythe, I need to tell you that you talked me into this. I'm getting everybody to follow my journey. It's way too much time, but I've started a photography page, WayneCraigPhotography.com. And I'm getting Amazing. everyone to know my, yep. And I'm getting everybody to know the journey. They want to follow me. And about two weeks to maybe a month, I'm going to filter everybody from my pages into my website. And I got that from you a few months ago. Take control over my content. Thank you. It was probably the, I spent money, quality money on a good thing, but I, I just felt like if I didn't have people following my journey and throw it all on the website, now I'm saying, hey, here I am. And then I'm going to slowly say, you're going to start seeing on LinkedIn, hey, I just posted something. Just have a one click to the website. Absolutely. Well done. It's a good investment into yourself and it's property that you own instead of these other social media platforms where you don't necessarily own that platform. So I appreciate your time today, Wayne, uh, and, and we'll be watching your journey uh, from the comfort of our couches. But hopefully you, you'll get us motivated to, to get out there and work out a little more. <laughs> Very quickly. Thank you to Freight Waves and you and What to Truck. Um, it's been huge two days. I can't thank the whole everyone enough for letting me talk about this. Thank you. Absolutely. No, no problem at all. Well, we'll have to have you on later on whenever you get closer to the end uh, of the journey. But thank you again. And everybody, make sure that you go and check out uh, Wayne's website that we'll make sure that we link to it in the show notes. So then that way everybody can, can go and check out his work. Like as he said, it's one stop shop for all of his content. And so going into our next guest, that's right, we have two guests on today. And we have a, a little bit of a rock star coming on. That's Meshach Weber. And we're going to go ahead and bring him on because surprise. Uh, Surprisingly, I I love uh, unique names. So I my first question that I wanted to ask you, Mishak, is have you always liked your first name? Oh, uh, I, I did as a kid, and then um, as uh, in 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 my you know tween years, I moved here from uh, moved back to the United States from London, and I had a weird accent and a weird name, um, and I didn't like the name so much then, but. Uh, uh, um, since then, I, I, I enjoy having a unique name as you do. And, and, and like you, uh, whenever I meet somebody with a unique, unique name, I feel like we're all in like this special private club together. Right. It's like, you know, the struggles of growing up where, where somebody doesn't know how to pronounce your name and it's just like, a, yes. Or somebody looks confused at a piece of paper and oh. you know that they're about to talk about you. Oh yeah. First day of class, you know, terrifying all the way through high school. You're like, oh no, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. Yep. All right, Mishag, let, let, let's dive into a little bit of your career because it's really a fascinating one. Uh, so uh, our first question is you have, there's, 7.9 billion people in the world where many of them are planning on starting up their own business and many mm -hmm. of them already have their own brand. If you're advising one of these companies, what are the first things you're doing to help them market their new business? Well, I mean, you can go all the way back to the start with why and, and, and uh, uh, make sure that they've done their work on the hedgehog concepts uh, or, or that kind of uh, dialing in to make sure that they, they really understand themselves first and what they're doing. 
but to skip forward, assuming that they they have a a, a great plan, uh, really for me, uh, the first place to start is not internally, not describing what we do and what you know what we care about, um, and then trying to connect it to the end user, but really determine who that end user is, and 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 social media is a great way to find out. Uh, um, what people are talking about and 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 who they are. So defining what that subject is, what those those keywords are, and then looking at uh, um, you know that audience and really trying to understand them really well, using cognitive empathy to really understand what is the mindset. And 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 a lot of times, if you have uh, somebody who understands like this, what the selling to that person looks like, you can uh, um, have the, the kind of a conversation where you look for these nudge points. And and mm-hmm. what I do is I blow up that moment where where does somebody go from like, okay, um, I'm hearing what you're talking about to like that aha moment, and mm-hmm. and that aha moment, that that inflection point that happens when somebody is. Uh, uh, listening to your your pitch, your story, and most people who have started a business have had enough of those conversations uh, um, that you can that you can you can talk about this and get some really critical information, and then turn that aha moment into a narrative, uh, and then turn that narrative into something that you can put the audience inside of, so to speak. I love that. So you're listening first and then you're providing those, you're listening for those aha moments before you dive into a full business plan, before you really even understand your customers, which is a mistake that I have admittedly made in the past thinking that I knew all the answers, but uh, you let your customers give you the answers. Now, I don't don't have to tell you that. So you know that for for sure, because you've had an extensive career in, in marketing over the last decade, especially in the freight tech space. Has your strategy or sort of thought Thought process evolved in any way over that last ten years? Oh, definitely. I, I, I'd, I'd go crazy if it didn't. Uh, um, <laughs> and that's my compulsion, uh, um, I guess. Uh, I've been mean, over the last uh, decade. Um, uh, what the main thing is that I've just become increasingly evidence based. That uh, mm-hmm. uh, when I first started working in marketing, I, I was much more on the technical side. I was building uh, websites, interactivity, DVDs for the likes of Target and Siemens and Intel and uh, Best Buy, and and I was a little bit less comfortable with uh, a lot of the marketing, uh, uh, quote unquote, parts of the business. And that was because it was so subjective, and I felt like a lot of people that were succeeding there was just a lot of um, ego involved and a lot of kind of manipulation. You know, one famous example, a friend of mine was working on, a, on an ad uh, for a, a soda company. Uh, and uh, um, the, the, the art director was just kind of standing there watching the whole thing. And then he re- leaned, leaned over to one of the, the, uh, the, the crew and was like, watch this. And they poured the soda over the ice and he goes, oh, that was that was sexy. <laughs> and all of a sudden the whole room was like, you're right. Yeah. We love that. The client loved that. And I'm like, I, I just, I, I couldn't stand that. And and what I found over time is that, that, that really there's a whole science to, to how people think and act and make decisions. And I just, just immersed myself in that. And, and I've created a, a couple frameworks for building community based on evidence-based approaches and um, building uh, kind of influence. And the two critical things for me is understanding uh, kind of cognitive bias, these kind of little shortcuts in all of our minds, uh, uh, and understanding the science of influence, um, 
And uh, I guess it was three things. And then really understanding kind of, uh, you know, how people like to be spoken to. And, and there's science for all of that. Hmm. I love that. That that is such a, a I, I'm a big science geek. So being able to dive into the the mysteries in within our own brains of how we're being marketed to without even realizing that we're being marketed to. I guess the only things that I can sort of think of off the top of my head is like product placement in movies and and how that mm-hmm. connects us and makes us want to buy that product later on. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just such an interesting aspect that that you speak of because you're also the host and the moderator of a show for Loadsure called mm-hmm. Third Thursdays. Is how are you you building those, you know, sort of cognitive strategies into your show planning and, and, and in the show itself? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I would add to what I just said is that one thing that I just I'm super passionate about the, the transportation industry. I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of came into it accidentally at first and I found uh, people that were just wonderful, salt of the earth, passionate people, people who who love to connect with each other. And so many people know each other within the industry. Uh, um, and and they just, they care so much. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so as I was thinking last year, what do we do uh, in the time of COVID? Uh, um, and, you know, how does the, the, you know, how do we experience uh, events? And, 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 and I found a, a platform that lined up to kind of those, those real world experiences about being able to have one-on-one experiences and being able to kind of almost have a variety show uh, uh, approach. Um, so we, we gave people the opportunity to kind of connect and, and, and have those moments where they get to not just share their insight or you know, talk to the world about what they, they find important, but to also put in some one-on-one within that. And, and, uh, and since then, uh, uh, we've, we focused a lot on just this organic group instead of just blasting it out there and trying to get as many people on as possible. We focus on, you know, it's building this real authentic community. So anytime somebody pops in, they, they see a whole group of people that really care about each other and have really interesting ideas to share and, and want to uh, just enjoy the moment together. And, and it's been a pleasure building that up. I, 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 I'm not sure if I answered your question, though. I, I should make sure that I did. No, I I love that because it seems like that that is the root cause of of starting the show is building that community and and yeah. for lack of a better phrase, not worried necessarily about the you know the, the the quantity over quality, but you're really putting the quality into the effort of building the community because we all know, especially with with your, you know your show Third Thursday, that you guys put extra effort into it where it's not just a typical show. You have a couple comedians that are joining you mm-hmm. every single show, and and you're in their hosting and moderating and then you have guests within the industry and you're building the community and i'm sorry star wars actors and and actors from the (laughs) uh the the orville as well we spice it up a little bit and and i just i'm glad you pointed out what you've done because i've just been it's been just such a treat watching your work over the past year uh uh, it's just and you building this uh this 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 community around you uh i've really enjoyed it oh thank you so much and and i i think you know, too, that that sort of leads to the ultimate conversation that most companies have. I mean, obviously not not the company you work for, but they always they're they're obsessed with ROI and driving mm. ROI. What do you think is the ROI of doing this show? If somebody were to come to you and and ask you, is it the community aspect or is it something else? 
Oh man, um, and I can't quote uh, him uh, um, directly, but uh, it reminds me of early on one of the first times I ever saw um, Gary Vee uh, uh, talk a long time ago. Back when I used to actually chat with him on on Twitter, uh, um, you know, he talked about a lot of people talk to me about ROI and about this and that and the marketing, and he's like, "What is the you know the 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 value of uh, of of you know the relationship with your." F and mom is the way he put it. And, and I think that's really important to remember that everything is, is person to person. Everything else is an abstraction. We use all these abstractions. Um, they get us promoted. They, 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 they help other people within the industry understand that we know the parlance. But the reality is, is, is the human mind is just wired to relate interpersonally. And uh, uh, so, you know, for, for, for me, one, starting from a very authentic place and creating a platform where people can experience authentic moments um, creates real relationships. And that's what it's all about. You know, when I was a kid, I started working at Best Buy and I was like the number one salesperson in Best Buy. And I actually had some of the lower kind of commission rates because I sold all the things that people wanted. And so people would come to me from any department, say, uh, Mishak, I've heard that you can help me, you know, buy the, you know, the best washing machine. And that wasn't even by my department, but I'm a geek. So I kind of would pay attention to these things. And I would always say, buy that one. You can buy the cheaper one over there if you want to. I'll make more money off of that. Um, but but this one's the better deal. And people's jaws would drop sometimes. And that's the way that I look at it. So when I work at, with a business like, like Loadshare or for a business like Loadshare, you know, I have to be really passionate about it. And I'm looking for an opportunity where I can bring that passion to other people and bring other passionate people together. And then we create a real, a real community. And a community only works when you nurture it and it nurtures you in kind, just like any relationship. And for me, that's the, the fundamentals of what Third Thursday is, is it's just community first. And we should all be able to uh, benefit from that community as long as we're giving to it. And that's an authentic, uh, uh, I guess it's a transaction, but I see it as much more uh, um, important than that. So it's definitely, it, it, it sounds like your whole ethos is just built around community and trust. No matter what organization you're working for, th those two skill sets translate into multiple, all, should translate into all industries if we're being honest. But mm -hmm. uh, so that's the good part of, of what, you know, sort of marketing and, and good examples that you see out there in the world. Where do you think that some companies are falling short when it comes to their marketing, especially in, in the freight world? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first and foremost thing is using anecdotal logic. Uh, um, uh, Musk talks about first principles uh, logic and, and, you know, the, the idea that a lot of times we have these conversations uh, about what the problem is or what the solution is. And we use uh, uh, the anecdotes from our life, what other people talk about. We reference everything else. And, and, and marketing is very much like this, where you're like, oh, that's good content. Uh, um, and that may be true, but usually it's good content because there's there's a strategy that's in there. And sometimes it just happens organically and, and, and luckily. A lot of people in marketing just have good instincts. Um, but what I think the most important thing is to really not just look at kind of like what your reach is um, and just look at the numbers, but think about, you know, what what is the solution that people are looking for? What do they really care about? Um, and then, you know, you can just speak directly to that. But if you want to turn it up to 11, what you do is you reframe it. And when you reframe something, you give somebody that aha moment, that, that surprise and delight is baked into re good reframing where 
I've never thought about it put that way before. That's fun. Or like, I've never thought about it put that way before. You really understand it. So when you create experiences like that, it sticks with people. Um, and, and it shows that you've actually done a little bit more thinking about it before you've done the talking. And of course, mm. it's not just thinking, as you had said earlier, it's the listening. I, I love that. So it's so well put. So considering the success of the show that you've had so far, are you going to keep the format going as, as in its current form? Or are you planning on changing it up maybe in the future? What, what's the what's the future of the show for you guys? That's a good question. I mean, for now, what we've done, we've evolved it a little bit all the time. Uh, recently, we've we've had like we've we've had two blocks where we have kind of an expert or two talking for a short period of time. Then everybody gets to go off one on one or kind of do these little games, and then we have a, a, a little bit of color. Sometimes a, a, an actor or a, a musician, uh, kind of a variety show style, and um, that's that's where we're manifested right now. Uh, for me, I'd like to bring that in real life. Uh, so at some event, uh, uh, bring that to the event. So bring our professional comedians uh, that just kind of make everything just a little bit more engaging, um, and um, and 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 like be able to like actually see people uh, um, in person and have right. these conversations <laughs> and 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 like do the same thing where we have people split off and kind of talk to each other you don't really see that very often in the corporate world in other spaces it's done all the time in education in self help in kind of like workshops um that's done really successfully uh, um but uh, in in the in the corporate world we don't see that done very often and i think that's a mistake i think we take ourselves too mm -hmm. seriously i mean uh, we're all just human beings and 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 uh, we want to connect and we want to have a little bit of fun. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because it, from that perspective, it, it's almost like you're bringing for, for the, the third Thursday shows that I've seen it, it feels like you're almost put into like an improv situation. And so being able to take that from a virtual standpoint to an in-person standpoint, I feel like you would be a little bit more freer versus the virtual format. Mm -hmm. it, it, am, I, am I, I'm probably way off in that thinking, but I think that the, the using that same format in a real world scenario, I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to whenever you guys have that in, in, in real life to where we can actually participate. Um, so hopefully yeah. that is coming up soon, very soon. I, uh, I think so spot on. And, and, and also the, the, the fact that we can react to each other more effectively, that nonverbal stuff means that it flows more smoothly. Absolutely. Because it's always been something improv, especially has been something that terrifies me. But anytime I've been thrown into that situation, it's sort of a sink or swim. So it's one yeah. of those opportunities where you, where you can really thrive or you can, you can learn how to thrive very quickly. And All what's right, the last most question. important, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask you, what's the most important part of improv? Uh, thinking on your feet, thinking on your toes with something or having fun, I guess maybe is this the, the angle that you're looking for? I always think that those are, those are <laughs> splendid answers. I always think of yes end. Yes, and. And I think that's critical to everything that hmm. we do. Always yes, and. I love that. That's, I mean, and I'm going into like your final quote because you have so much really good knowledge to share with us. And, and this was, I was checking out your LinkedIn bio because it's one of the best bios that I've ever seen. But the Thank last you. line states, I believe that shame and pain are not discussed enough and that if we are taught the art and science of change, everything is possible. What are some key aspects of the art and science of change that you can leave us with? Hmm. Well, fundamentally, I believe that that a lot of the problems that we have are a failure to create change in ourselves or believe that other people can change. Uh, uh, and understanding how change happens 
So uh, a key insight for me uh, is the work of B.J. Fogg. He manifests all of this, just tons of research. Uh, he's the one who taught kind of the quote-unquote Facebook class uh, that changed how Facebook uh, became much more behavioral-oriented. Uh, and then, um, you know, other recent graduates started, like Instagram, for instance, uh, based on his work. And he breaks uh, a behavior down to a behavior happens when the motivation, ability, and a prompt all happen at once. And I think that that's something that we can not only use in marketing and in business, but on a personal level, like when we fail at something um, to really realize or when, you know, like and personally when you fail or in marketing, if, if something fails, just to look at that, what, you know, was, was the motivation there? That's an obvious one. You don't change motivation. Don't focus on motivation other than to identify it. If you're trying to change motivation, good luck. I'll see you in 10 years and you'll be crying. Uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, so I, make sure that you un have uncovered the motivation you're speaking to it. Uh, but that's easy. But make it easy. The ability is making it easy. You can make something easy by just like making the button big and red or like putting, you know, uh, um, the food that you want to eat right in front of your eyeballs in the fridge. You can make it easy by training, you know, by by talking through something and making it easy to remember. Um, and and these are the things that we can do for ourselves. And you can you can use that conversely. You don't eat junk food. Put it at the bottom shelf in the back. So you have to really find it. Um, and then the prompt is make sure that there's a prompt there that you know the prompt to remind you to do something. You set a schedule. You put uh, you put a, a note somewhere where you're going to see it. And thoughts with those abilities and prompts to to tweak and and to create change and create those those new behaviors. And I think that those things, that insight, that 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 BMAP insight, is the most powerful one that I've had. Other than understanding what cognitive bias is and and how we have all these little shortcuts in our brain that that make us make about ninety five to ninety seven percent of our decisions. Oh my gosh, I, that says so brilliantly put because especially when you said something along the lines of hiding the snacks from yourself, because I do that, I hide them from myself. And mm -hmm. so on the lucky occasion that I do stumble upon them, it's really, really exciting to find those <laughs> snacks again. So Meshach, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find more of your work? Um, well, uh, I mean, you can go to uh, uh, LinkedIn to, to 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 connect with me if you would like to. It's just uh, uh, LinkedIn slash in slash Meshach, my first name. It's a, one of the great advantages of having a unique name. Um, yes. Or, you know, <laughs> go to loadsure.net and, and see kind of what we're talking about right now with the Loadsure team. Uh, I know it's insurance, and I never thought I'd say this, but I found insurance to be an amazing thing and, and really fundamentally about taking care of other people. And uh, hopefully we're communicating that. Love it so much. Thank you so much, Meshach. And, and we'll be sure to link to your LinkedIn profile within the show notes. Everybody can go and follow your, your wise words of wisdom. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who's watching as well. All right. What a great couple interviews. This is the first time from a show perspective that I've had two guests on in an interview, and I think that it went really, really well. So I'm anxious to hear what you guys think about sort of this new show format of what uh, kind of have planned for now and in the future. Um, but once again, if we have, you know, sort of, you know, those stellar guests like we had with today, it really is a pleasure to dive into a conversation with them a little bit more. Next week, we are off because Freight Waves Live at Home is taking place. And for many of us, including myself, last year, 
was the first year whenever the event moved from live to in person or from from in person to a virtual event. It was one of those situations where I was able and I got the pleasure to to meet and connect with a lot of you on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for that time and 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 that pleasure because it's been a whirlwind of a ride since then connecting with all of you. So if you haven't had a chance to go ahead and make sure that you register for Freight Waves Live at home, get involved in the chats, get involved with those digital handshakes because they, you never know what they're eventually going to lead to. Once again, my name is Blythe Brumley with digitaldispatch.io, also host of Cyberly, and we will see you in a couple weeks.